the blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back, who doesn't love going on a road trip? Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me is co-host Dean. Hello, Tim. Hello, listeners. Oh, you got that in early. Thank you. Hello, I wanted to be the listeners. one. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. Yeah, you can be the one this week, but that's it. I'm the one, Dean. I'm the one who, who welcomes the listeners. That's my job. I know. You kind of just uh, one-upped me there. You kind of oh, well, stole it from me and then said, oh, yeah, you can have it. Well, you stole it from me. He's taking the lead, Tim. He's taking the lead. <laughs> Dean. Yeah. Th- this is not the end. Is it only the beginning? Do you know what that means? No. <laughs> no, that's the name of this volume of Deadly Class. This is not oh, the end. Oh, yeah. you did it. <laughs> what did I do? You did a great joke with a with a pun on the uh, on the on the volume name. Good job. You're we learning. You're taking today. notes from me. <laughs> you stole me thanking the listeners, and then I stole your uh, silly pun joke. Exactly. Yes, we are back this week to do Deadly Class Volume Six, titled "This Is Not the End." We're deep into uh, this thing, Tim. We are deep into volume this. This is six. excellent. I know. Um. If it wasn't for that that one listener way back, I was gonna say. who knows how long ago, who reminded us that we were doing this because we did volume one, told everybody we're going to do everything and then forgot about it. And yep. someone called us out and they said, hey, where's volume two? I thought you guys are going through this. So um, to that listener, thank you. We're still doing this and we're, we're, we love it. We love it. We love doing the deadly class. For sure. So before we kick things off, I will do the obligatory um, disclaimer for everybody that this is considered one of our like max episodes where if you um, are a little bit squeamish or offended by by certain language you might want to turn it off um it's not me it's mostly dean dean is the potty mouth usually on the podcast but this is true this is very true i don't even really blame you though because it's the material like yeah. this this is a mature comic book and sometimes you know we get so excited by it that we swear sometimes we're reading quotes with language in it um we just get into it man like sometimes we're having beers while we're doing it or every time we're having beers doing it sometimes we murder people as well sometimes sometimes it books makes us kill people we can't be held responsible it's we're, to cover huh. the content correctly we got to do it this way Listen, it so, just makes us excited. I swear when I get excited, it happens. I know it happens. So I, I did want to touch on on something here. And that was um, our father, Dean. Our father. That, that disclaimer is mostly for our father. I was actually going to say, Tim, I was going to say, that's you, Dad. Stop listening. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I just want to share something with the listeners. I want to share <laughs> uh, an interaction that happened with me and Dad uh, via text message. Great. I thought I was sending a text message to Dean, and I accidentally sent it to Dad. And this is what that text text message said. Our Back to the Future app is so ridiculously good 
I listened to the first 18 minutes yesterday, and it already had everything you'd want out of a great episode. Then I, then I realized I sent it to Dad and not you, and I said, sorry, that was for Dean. So he responds with, yes, period. Is it rated G? Question <laughs> mark. And I said, I don't think any of our episodes are. None are really bad, but there's usually a few swears in them. And he responds, maybe a few more than you think, period. <laughs> I have listened in, period. <laughs> oh, no, Tim. Oh, he's no. He's listened I, in. <laughs> he's listened in. I said, sometimes there's a few more. Yes. <laughs> it's great interaction. We got busted by dad for too much bad language on the podcast. So yeah. I just want to let everybody know that this episode is going to have some of that in it. And it's not yes. our fault. We blame Deadly Class. Are we going to clean up our language? No. Are we going to no, put a disclaimer no. at the beginning? Yes. So now yes. we know. <laughs> yeah, there it is. You know, like, shit, man. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to, you got to swear. Sometimes it you happens. just got to swear. Yeah. Okay. Released in 2017, we've got our crew back again. Our boy, Rick, the writer, Remender. Nice. The writer. Yeah. I just came up with that right now. That was I amazing, Tim. How have we never said that before? I don't know, but I've got nothing for the other guys because I just came up with that. But we got <laughs> Wes, Wes Craig on art and Jordan Boyd on colors. Cool. So let's do our um, obligatory previous volume recap. Maria is gone. Marcus is dead. Saya is alone. It's very uplifting so far, hey? Yeah, I know. I'm down, man. Oh. Sit down. Yeah, awesome. We meet the new group of freshmen, Helmet, Z, Quan, and Tasawi. Saya is tasked with mentoring Z, and she forms a bond with that group. Quan is a traitor, though, and gives up Saya to her brother Kenji, who's come to America to take Saya back home. We meet a mysterious plumber who turns out to be Marcus, who's not actually dead. He finds Maria and rescues her from the torturous grip of her mother and brother. Marcus and Maria are back and reunited at last. Yeah, man. Tim, was that last issue there just like the best issue so far of this comic? Maybe, right? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Like just that issue. I'm not talking about the whole volume. I'm just talking no, about no, that no. last issue. Maybe the best of the whole series so far. I'd, I'd, I'd put that issue top three issues of the series so yeah. far it was cool. so good yeah now i notice this volume the art to me looked a little bit tighter looked a little bit cleaner and the colors were a little bit different we still get like our like very colorful vibrant display of color it's just not it's not so as like maybe neon-y as we've uh, kind of had in the past not okay, so bright yeah, yeah. not so bright but still, I mean, I loved it. I'm yeah. not saying that these things were worse. They're just a little bit different. And a lot of the pages have like a theme color and it like kind of changes. But I, I think that's been something that's going on. But I, I did notice it a lot more, especially in this first issue of the comic. It's just like we, we have a sort of a tint to the page and then it, it'll change as we go along to a different page. Um, yeah, it, it was really uh, just a cool atmosphere, atmosphere builder. Um and then when you flip to a page, it's like a lot of color. It really stands out because you're not mm -hmm. just doing that one tinted page. Yep, that's a fair point. So as I, Dean, as I sit down 
um, to my iPad to start reading this next volume, my heart rate elevated out of cool. sheer excitement. I, I just noticed that I'm, I'm so excited to keep going with this book that, that that happened. I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Totally. So let's get to the story. It's November 2nd, 1988 in Tokyo. Seiya's brother has successfully brought her home. She's in rough shape, though, after being stabbed by Kwan, then falling off a building, through a glass roof, then into a pool. I was pretty sure after that she was still going to be kicking. You know, she was still going to oh, be yeah, alive after that one. Yeah, I think I think we both knew that sort of the falling into the pool type thing. It's like, okay, well, she's she's badly hurt. You know, she she's going to be uh, need to be... Um, you know, uh, get back to health, gonna have to rest for a quite a while, but uh, we knew she was okay after that. Yes. I mean, alive, yeah. not okay, but alive. Sure, alive. Yeah, yeah. So we get a flashback to Seiya when she's younger, and, I mean, what what were, what were your thoughts? I was thinking maybe, like, 15-ish in age. What do you think? I'm thinking younger. I think she's almost, I think she's 16, 17 at this school. So... I think I think we start on her younger. I think by the time the story's over, maybe fifteen. But I was I was actually thinking like twelve. Yeah, maybe she looks. It's tough to say. She's just drawn so young and small. You know, she I looks know, so small. Some of the things she does, like a twelve-year-old, is not going to be able to do that. So, is this? I think this is Saya's first flashback. We don't know anything about her past, right? I agree. Yeah, I think so. So. They build up her relationship with her father for us. And he actually sounds like a pretty stand-up dude. He's part of uh, the Yakuza, but he says that they have honor because they are direct descendants of the samurai. So I thought yeah. that was neat. Um, Seiya really, really looks up to him, but he won't let her get involved in the business. And her brother Kenji wants the organization to start selling drugs to keep up with their rivals right but the father wants nothing to do with that yeah i mean right off the bat th this dad striking me as a pretty good dad like you said he's maybe doesn't have the best business that he's running but he's doing his best for his family and for his community um he's doing what he thinks is is the, sort of the best thing for the community i man this guy good dad right off the bat yes um, you're right about that. He's, he said, if he can control the crime, he can keep it out of the peaceful neighborhoods. Yeah. So yes, while he's bad, his whole purpose is to like keep innocent people safe. Yeah. So a little bit later on, Seiya embarrasses Kenji at a nightclub by pulling out more money than even he has. And he's the older yeah. brother. He should be rolling in it. She's got more than him from taking advantage of like kids at her school would she have a gambling ring? Yeah, so she she wants to go to King's Dominion, but her father doesn't want her to do that. He wants to keep her away from that. So she just goes to a regular school, and she's like, everyone there is so stupid that I, I think she runs a gambling ring where she just, like, collects on all those kids. Yeah, she's loaded. So yeah. at the nightclub there, she gets accepted by Kenji's friends, and he yeah. gets ridiculed. So he doesn't appreciate that very much. Um, now, because she gets accepted by these friends... We get to see a really cool part here where they kind of bring her into their group and we get to see her getting her tattoos. Yes, Tim. We get to Dude. see those kick-ass oh. tattoos being put on. 
So this cool. Ba- badass, man. Badass, man. So you she, can see, man. Oh, those tattoos are serious. Yeah, she's got the two full sleeves that we knew about, both arms. But we see that her whole back is yeah. tatted up as well with this. And it's like this dragon, the like the body of the dragons on the back and, you know, the tails coming down the arm and stuff. It's very, very cool. I love awesome. seeing that. We've yeah. definitely touched on her tattoos before. So to see this, to see her lying on the table getting inked was pretty neat. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, Kenji obviously is pissed off and he's also a real asshole. So he frames Saya to make it look like she killed one of the family's business partners. Mm, yeah. And father knows Saya had nothing to do with it. Um, but that doesn't matter because since blood has been spilled he has to make amends for that death in some way yeah so he turns his sword on himself he stabs himself through the chest and kills wild, himself man my goodness man that was yeah that was wild that was a wild scene i that hit me that hit me man i, I there, there's such quick setup on kenji here um which is so perfect it's like I love when stuff like this happens where you're just like, okay, I know I fucking hate that guy. Like I hate that guy. And there is like nothing that's going to change my mind about that. You can't give me any, you know, any page that's going to change my mind about hating this guy. Great setup. And I already liked the dad and he's got to, he just knows he has to turn it on himself because even if it wasn't his daughter, it was his son. No matter what happened, it was his fault and turns it on himself. It was, it was heartbreaking, man. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You got to do the blood for blood. So he had to do it. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, like, you're right. I, I was just going to say, say like you're right. We hate of, Kenji. We hate Kenji. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hate Kenji. And I just want to say I like the art of him turning the sword on himself because he's just, uh, it's just a shadow of him. You know, it's just mm-hmm. the shadow of him doing it. There's no details other than sort of the darkness and him putting the sword through him. It just was a very somber feeling and that art really got it across. Yeah, it was excellent. Very, very powerful right off the bat yeah. there. Yeah. So... Because of the father's death, Kenji is put in charge. Seiya does not approve and flees to America. Yeah. The flashback ends and we have Seiya, like uh, present day Seiya, who's all beat up and damaged still, lying on the bed. And a mother is sitting beside her and says she's happy Seiya is finally home, but she must atone for killing father. Yeah which is not really fair because she didn't do it, Dean. She didn't do I it. I know. It, it was, sounds it unfair. It was, wasn't, wasn't her. No. It wasn't her. Um, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't her. She didn't do it. I know. She didn't do it. We know she didn't do it because we were reading the book and we didn't see it happen. <laughs> I know. Tim, you and I know, but no one else seems to know. No, nobody knows. They should have read this book. Yeah. If only they had this book. Yeah, they lived it. They lived it, man. We cut to a great moment in the book here with Marcus sitting on a beach in Mexico, just relaxing. Yeah. And I know all the readers are feeling the same way I am at this point. Finally, a nice moment for this guy. I know. He gets a, he finally gets a fucking break. It's exactly what I was thinking. It's so nice that he's just lying on a beach, chilling. Because even the last time we saw him, wasn't chilling he had to rescue maria so it was nice to see him back but he definitely wasn't chilling so it's nice just to see him relax exactly he's there he's thinking about his father who loved to surf 
And that was even the beach that his father used to surf at. And then a what in the shit moment where Willie is there. Yeah. Marcus's best friend, Willie, who was gunned down a couple volumes back by Victor, is there at the beach with him chatting. Can I just say I, I don't get it? You don't get it? I like don't at get that it. moment? And by the end. You might have to explain this okay. one for me. I don't even... Okay. I still don't get it. Well, okay, so here's the, here's maybe, the conversation. Maybe we're, maybe we're not supposed to, but... No, I think I think you're supposed to. But okay, okay. Here's 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 the conversation they have. First of all, is that Marcus is talking to Willie. He wants to go back to kill Master Lin, but Willie doesn't want to. Uh, so what I'm understanding is we see that Willie is not actually there because Maria walks up and says to Marcus that he's talking to himself again. Okay, oh. so I think I think Marcus is just having yeah. conversations with Willie because Willie was his best friend, right? Yeah. So I think he's yeah. I think he's suffering. She also made the point of saying that he smoked their entire bag of weed. Okay. So he's also very high. Tim, um, that makes perfect sense. The book all makes sense now. I thought Willie just like went for a swim and then just didn't show up anymore. <laughs> I was I was totally, I did not pick up on that. That uh, makes perfect sense. Yes, you are 100% correct. So I I thought this was a really great moment. And I like that they threw it in there because... They're currently in the book. They're currently on this run of bringing characters back from the dead. Yeah. So I buy, and clearly you buy, yep. that he's there in that moment. Definitely. But then they they immediately shut down that idea. So it works. We're not going to be buying that moment unless they've already kind of um, killed some characters. Or we think characters are dead, and then they come back. So. It really worked. It got us. It got you really hard. Tim, it you bought got, me so hard. I didn't know until time. right now, this moment. You got remendered. Dude. I got, you got remendered, remendered, man. Yes. Yeah, so Marcus and Maria are able to relax on the beach for the first time. And Marcus says something we've never heard him say before. He says that things are good. Hmm. That just makes me feel good. Yeah, man. That guy's been through so much. Yeah. And we've been through it with him. Yeah, exactly. Quan, who's working for Kenji, he's been ordered to find a way to discredit Seiya so that she'll be expelled. Yeah. Quan sneaks into her room and finds her journal. Another great moment here where we find out that Seiya was actually trying to help Marcus when she stabbed him. Yeah. Wasn't trying to kill him. In her journal, Quan reads, My blade slid past any major organs or vertebrae. The poison brought his heart to a near standstill, enough to make you appear dead while keeping blood flowing to the brain. I'm so, I'm just nerding out so hard in that moment. I'm just like, that's so awesome. Yeah, I, I, I am, I'm nerding out so hard because I love that Saiyan knew what she was doing. We we know she's that good with the blade that she could yeah. do that. So I, I I'm just I, I love it right here. I love that not only does Marcus come back and I had enough time to, you know, be sad that he was gone and then be excited that he comes back, but Saya also knew what she was doing. I just think it's it's this extra element that adds so much to the story. Yeah, exactly. So Saya snuck into the morgue. She gave Marcus the antidote, told him what happened told him where Maria was. 
she told Marcus to go get Maria and go to that beach that he told her about in Mexico. Now, Quan, being the one reading the journal, now knows where Marcus and Maria are. So that's shit. not great. No, because yeah, we shit. know Quan's character. Quan is the traitor. Quan reports back to Kenji with this information, who tells him to go there, go to Mexico, and bring back Marcus and Maria to Master Lin. Victor pays Quan a visit. I like Victor. I mean, you gotta love Victor. He's a bastard, but I like him. He's a good, I like the guy. He's a total bastard, but... yeah, more how, you, how can I don't know how you can not like him. I don't no. know for uh, here's a problem. I don't know how you can like him, and I don't know how you can yeah. not like him. That's yeah. this is my dilemma. There's no reasons to like him yet. Right. How do you not but like I, him? But I how do I? But I like him. <laughs> yeah. I like him a lot. So he pays Quan a visit. He tells Quan that Victor that he went to kill Saya that night, but saw to his surprise that Quan killed her first. Victor wants Quan to go along with the idea that Victor killed Seiya. He wants the credit, right? It's all about credits at that school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quan agrees, and Victor slams Quan's face into the bathroom mirror so very, very hard that it was disturbing. It was disturbing, man. I felt so bad for Quan the traitor in that moment yeah. because that would not feel good. No, I love this setup, though. I love that Quan's this traitor... And now he's actually getting it from two sides. You know, he's stuck in the middle. He's got to do one thing for Kenji. He's got to do another thing for Victor. And he's just yeah. like, oh, man, I'm in a really tough spot. And I love it. I love that he's got to squirm in this spot and try to figure it out for himself. Yeah, I guess we could, like, dig a little bit into his character in this book. Because while he is the traitor, I think he did he did his first, like, treacherous act for a reason. And I think he thought that that was going to be his way out. And his escape from having to do anything else. But now that Kenji has his claws locked into him, he's like, look, man, you did that one thing. But if you don't do this thing for me, you know, I can't be held responsible for what might happen to you. You know, I like to tie up loose ends. So just do this one more thing. Kenji keeps like towing the line with him. And Quan just gets deeper and deeper in shit here. Yeah, he's got one over on him and he's just going to keep bringing it up. You know, he's not going to settle the score like he's saying he is. So even even when Quan goes, if he goes and finds Marcus and brings Marcus back, um, it's not going to matter. You know, it, he, Quan's not going to get off the hook. Kenji is still going to have him under his thumb. He's going to have him under his thumb forever. Yeah. Now, one of my beefs from last volume gets remedied here, where we get the old Petra back. Cool. She attacks Dixie Mob Brandy, uh, like throws some poison in her face, Great. and then runs out on the council. So she was part of the council, but now she just runs out on them. Uh, she's looking like her old goth self again. I love that look on her. Totally. Um, she's sitting beside Billy's grave and talking to him. And she says she's sorry for killing him, but he got the better end of it. And she is just about to cut her wrist. When Helmet interrupts and he says he isn't going to give her a big lecture. He just wants to suggest she give it one more night. Forget about the past and just make some new memories. So we get this really great section with Petra and Helmet uh, just bonding now. Like they kind of just go out like they really like they go out for a date, basically. I 
freaking love it, Tim. I love it so much. There, this this volume to me really feels like high school. Um, where the other ones do as well, but this one I'm totally locked into. Like this is what really feels like high school. Like just going and so at my school we had a a Max. Do you remember Max? Yep, stores, Max convenience mm-hmm. stores. So we had a mm-hmm. Max across the street from my school. And, you know, you'd always want to go on like on break on spare or whatever to just go grab some candy and a Slurpee or whatever. You just want to take a walk across and get something at Max. And sometimes, you know, your friends are in class or something. You don't always, your schedules don't always line up. So sometimes you just see someone who you kind of know and you just be like, hey, you know, you want to walk to Max and then you walk to Max, you get to know this person. You're like, nah, that person's pretty cool. You know, I didn't really know yeah. them, but they're pretty cool. I just really connected with this part where they go to 7-Eleven. I was like, this is, I did this so many times. It just, it, it really brought me back to high school. Yeah, that's cool. That's totally true. Yeah, so um, they're at 7-Eleven and they have this really interesting conversation about their musical tastes. And Helmut is explaining to Petra that the American corporate machine will come for Petra's beloved goth and punk music and turn it mainstream. Mm-hmm. And she just, she, she can't believe it. She can't believe that'll happen. He says, because of that, more and more people will, will conform to it making it hurt for the purest goth and punk fans. And it was a that was a pretty lengthy and interesting conversation they had. I'm summarizing it there, but yeah. It was probably four pages of them having this conversation that was really really interesting just about how the mainstream will like just grab a hold of something and ruin it. And I feel like Helmet he knows it firsthand because he's a metalhead and he feels like right. his he feels like he was in a small group and he could kind of be himself in that group. And then when something gets turned mainstream, you no longer feel unique. You're, you're then part of like the bigger picture and it hurts because yeah. you yeah. kind of lose, you lose your identity in that small group. And he was just explaining to her, that's what he thinks going to happen to her music. So very yeah. fascinating. And I love, I love in this series, how much they talk about music. Uh, so many amazing conversations around music in this series and i'm such a music fan that i just i really appreciate uh what reminders doing with that yeah i love it because high school is about uh you know finding your identity that's what everyone's you know going through everyone's trying to do find their group find you know what they like and a lot of that identity can be found in music you can find it in music you can find what you like and then bond with people that like the same thing um so as soon as you know that it maybe gets taken away for these kids. They start thinking like, okay, well that, that was my group and now it's not. So I feel lost again. I, I really like how most of these kids are just trying to find their way, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's another one of these situations where it's this school that we can't relate to at all, but we can relate to the characters having their, you know, their high school issues um, because we had them. It's like these characters are still kids going through kid things. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was this issue where, I like I clued into something that I should have picked up a long time ago, uh, and I'm sure you've noticed as well, but probably didn't pay it a lot of thought. It's after every chapter, there is a page, and it's like a stylized page. They all look yep. the same. It's either a cassette tape, it's either a heart, or it's either a skull. And I realized that I think this whole issue, they were talking about music. This issue started off with a cassette tape. Mm. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I mean, it's, it's very obvious now that if there's a heart, the issue's about love. If there's yeah. a skull, the issue's about death. If there's a cassette tape, they're talking about music. 
And Love it. I'm not sure if there's a greater significance to it than that. But it took me this long, all the way to volume six, after seeing this image. And I've wondered, like in previous volumes, I've wondered, I was like, why do they keep showing this? Like, okay, I get the love. Maybe this is something about love, but it's the cassette tape that confused me Yeah. Uh, until this one where they were so focused on it. And I was like, wait a second, that's really interesting. So totally. that's cool. I'd- I'd say, yeah, I just thought it was neat. Yeah, it totally lines up with this, at least this issue for sure. I, I'm sure that if we go through them, all those things line up. So Helmet and Petra have a great night together, and it ends with a goodnight kiss. Yeah, and I, I just want to take this time to say that Helmet is new, but Helmet is like one of the five best characters, right? Like He immediately was. He immediately I love was. Helmet. Yeah. It's almost like within one or two pages of his character from last volume that he is one of the best. Yeah. And this, I, I would say that this just kind of proves it. Where we start off the book getting Seiya, then the next chapter we get Marcus. And now we're like, okay, like these are our old characters. We're getting linked back to them again. And then as soon as Helmet shows up again, you're like, this dude rocks. I love this guy. Yeah, I love Helmet. Guess what it's time for, Dean? What is the time for, Tim? It's time for a road trip. <laughs> road trip. Woohoo! Dude, man, have I missed the road trips. I, I love know. road trips in this book. I got pumped for it, man. You know what's going to happen on a road trip. You know there's going to be drugs. <laughs> you know there's going to be drugs. You know <laughs> shit's going to get crazy. Yep. Man, I love it. I'm so and excited. Boy, here. does it. Boy, does it, Tim. Oh, does it more so than ever. Perhaps. More so than ever. This is the craziest it's ever going to get. Although, I don't know, back in like volume one where Marcus was hiding under the truck, um, <laughs> screaming something about the mountains, the mountains. turning digitalized and chasing right. him yes. and that he's the acid king. That was pretty, that was pretty good. It's got tough to top that moment. Yeah. This, I would say this is a crazier party. The party's crazy. This is the, the craziest party we've seen. Yeah. 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 So Helmet, Z, Tasawi, Petra, and Quan all pile in a car and head to Mexico. Right. This is Quan's plan is to like get the group together to get to Mexico so he can get Marcus and Maria. Right. But now, to them, ha- he's just saying, we need to get away from school. Let's all go on a road trip. Have some fun. I got this idea of this place. Let's just go to this place. Right. Exactly. So Helmet is driving and he's headbanging to his metal music so violently that he mm-hmm. just about drives into oncoming traffic. Jeez. And Z, <laughs> who's in the backseat, she's very straight edge. She gets very upset here. And she says, I love this part so much. She says, what's that smell? Are you marijuana driving? <laughs> it's just, that's so true to her character. Yeah. I love it. Helmet says, I don't think that's an actual term, but yes, yes, <laughs> but yes I, I am. am. <laughs> <laughs> then he offers her some and he says, here, smoke. It will make you high. <laughs> <laughs> He gets right I'm, to the point, man. He I'm doesn't in, sugarcoat dude. it. He just gets right to the point. I am in tears reading yeah. reading the book at this point. It is so funny, uh, those interactions. Um, now, this car ride turns into a conversation about religion, about race, about yeah. classes of race, about the status of sexes, male versus female. Um, this is all just classic remender digging into, into uh, important issues and writing about them in a way only he can. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's too much in here for me to even dig into. We could do an episode on this car conversation. So for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's almost the way he writes about it is like, here are the questions. I'm not telling you the answers because I don't know them. But here are all the important questions that you should be asking. It just brings them up from these different characters points of view. Yeah. Um, I think what the important thing to take from it all is that this group of characters we have in the book is a very unique blend, right? Mm -hmm. Like none of them in the real world would find themselves being a part of each other's lives. They would just not be friends, but the circumstances of this school has brought them all together. So they're put in this situation and while they're, you know, really forcefully wanting to share their own values, they are learning the values of the other characters. And those are being like, um, like placed on them as well. Like they're, they're, they're being forced to deal with that. Right. They, they're being forced yeah. to listen and to understand and to accept all these different um, values that these, these people have. So uh, it's, it's, fa it's fascinating, fascinating how well Remender can work all of that stuff into this book. I love it. I love it because they're all friends. So they're yelling and screaming at each other because they have different yeah. points of view. But when this is over, they're going to be friends because they are. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really great, um, you know, presentation of that. Now, great art in this issue, this um, road trip issue. My favorite art from the volume, for sure. We've been in the car for a while. And the further we get through the issue, the darker the hue of red of yeah. the outside world gets um, like what a great way to show the passing of time in a comic. Like I, sure. I really feel like we've been in that car for hours just cause they slowly make it darker and darker each page. That's so true. Yeah. It's so true. It starts kind of orangey and then it gets to sort of deep red outside. That's very true. It's, a, it's, it's almost something that you, you might not even notice if you're not looking, you just feel it, you know, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a great technique because yeah. those are some of the things that are difficult to get across in comics, right? Like yes. the passing of time. Passing of time, yes. And what a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. And like a subtle passing of time, not just like yeah. two hours later. You know, you want to feel it. You want to feel like you went through the time as well. Now, they make a pit stop at McDonald's. I love it. Since it's the 80s, Dean, we get to see some art of Grimace and the Hamburglar in McDonald's. Nice. I'm just yeah. like, oh, dude, I'm like getting this. I'm getting the the nostalgia knife in the belly from this one. It's so totally great. Right. Even just going to McDonald's with your friends. Are you kidding yeah, me? I did man. that all the time. As soon as I got a car, we were going to McDonald's all the time. What's well, the exact same thing you said about going to Max before? It's exactly. like just going to a location with your buddies, right? Yeah. Uh, they quickly get into an argument about whether the fish fillet is better or chicken McNuggets are better. Yeah. This is another thing I'm really impressed with this writing from from Remender because now bear with me here, but I feel like in this situation, it's very easy to write in commentary about McDonald's. Mm. Okay. It's very easy to write in a conversation about the food. So I feel like for that reason, most writers won't include it because it's too obvious. But I feel like Remender realizes, realizes it's too obvious and in this book where he's dealing with such realistic conversations and situations, he's not afraid to put that conversation in this spot, have them argue about the food, have them argue about like what's better, you know, where really the reader doesn't need to know that the, the yeah. reader's not really going to care too much that they're arguing about this. But this is, this is, 
series is full of this type of stuff for Remender and which is one of the reasons why I love it so much is there's so many real moments in it. Yeah, he wants to connect you with the book, so he needs to like ground you with something you know. And what does ah, everyone yeah, know? Nice. Everyone know that the the fish of fillet is a controversial burger. Like how Tim, this has definitely happened in my life where someone has said the fish of fillet is my favorite thing at McDonald's, and you're like, Wait. what are you talking about? You're not even you're not calling it the right. You're calling it the you're calling it the fish of fillet. It's fish the fillet. fillet. Of fi it's the fillet. Oh, the fillet. Of fi fillet of fish. See, I don't even know the name. I don't even give a shit about the name. <laughs> Fish, I'm gonna call it fish au filet. Call it whatever you want, man. That's like saying the the, the nuggets of chicken. <laughs> hey, man, would you like the nuggets of chicken from McDonald's? <laughs> you know, you know what, Tim. To be honest, it sounded wrong, but I I just went with it. I just doubled down on it. Said it again. Um, I could I could have let it go, but how? Thank but you. How? Why thank would I? You, why Tim. would I let that go? Why would I let? Why that would go? you let that go? The filet o filet o fish filet o fish filet o fish. What was I saying about it? I don't even know. It's shit. I don't know, man. I don't. Oh, yeah. You're saying it's a con controversial sandwich. Yes. People say, someone has said to me before, this is my favorite. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Okay. So you're, you're a Nuggets guy. I'm a Nuggets guy all the way. Tim, no freaking lie. I had Nuggets right before this podcast. Shut up. <laughs> I had nuggets right before this podcast. I went to McDonald's Seriously? and got myself some nuggets. Did I even think about the fish au filet? No. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple, couple, couple things. A couple things here. A couple things. First of all, um, that's hilarious that you got nuggets. I used to love nuggets because I mostly loved the um, hot mustard sauce they have. Oh, yeah. But they got oh, yeah. rid of that years ago. They yeah, turned yeah. it into like a honey mustard mix. And after that, I realized I just like drinking the hot mustard packages. That was it. Right. So I stopped <laughs> yeah. getting the nuggets. Then the other thing is when I was reading this, I'm like, hmm, what do I like better? The filet of fish or the McNuggets? And I actually, I couldn't, I couldn't decide. I like them both. I really like both of them. A, so, a lot so of people love the filet of fish. I feel like, I don't know if this is 100% true. But I feel like our mother would always get the filet of fish. Oh, I think that is true. I think that's true. Yeah, that I have true. just never even been drawn to it. But, yeah, but so many people say it's their. I am afraid of the water, but I like eating the fish. Dead fish, good. Live fish, bad. Okay, here. This is my point exactly. Look, look at this rant we just went on. Exactly about this this moment in the book, which didn't even need to be in there, but it's just yep. such a great moment that I don't it's know. Insignificant. It's insignificant, and we're chatting yeah. about it. Yeah. Checkmate. Checkmate. The writer. Checkmate. We got remembered again. <laughs> yeah. So we see that Victor and Dixie Ma Brandy are following the road trip crew, mm, and they're looking yeah. for a good chance to kill them. And we're given um, a flashback to the day before where we get to see why. Victor and Brandy are after them. Okay, can I just say, because we started this road trip and everybody was beat up. Everyone's face was bashed in. They had like <laughs> band-aids and they had cuts on their face. And I was like, yes. what is going on? Why is everyone beat up? So it's cool that we're about to find out. Tim, you know I love finding it's out cool. what just happened. I love that. So I loved flashing back. I went back to see if I missed something. I'm like, yeah, why are they too. all beat Same. up here? I was like, did they have bandages, you know, a couple pages ago? And they didn't. So yeah, that was very cool. 
I thought, I, Tim, I thought that I had missed an issue, which isn't really a thing because I'm reading it out of a volume. You can't really miss an issue. But I have, because I'm a like monthly comic book reader who would kind of save them up, I've often opened one up and been like, oh, you know, I missed one. I skipped one. Um, so I thought that that had happened. But yeah, no, I, I went back. Nope, it's fine. I was just, they are all beat up. And I guess we're going to find out later. Yeah. What happened was they all got into a fight at a pep rally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brandy, on the microphone at the pep rally, accused Z of killing her own parents, uh, which I'm not actually too sure whether or not it happened. They kind of leave it open. I kind of get the feeling that maybe she did or maybe something happened there. I would say, Tim, 100% she did because she's been writing these letters home to her parents. And um, the one thing we see right before the road trip is she's writing a letter and she's like, wait, before we go on the road trip, I have to go mail this. And then when the car drives away, the letter is on the ground by the mailbox. She just writes them and pretends to send them. And what Brandy had found was all these letters in her room that have never been sent. They've hundreds just of been, them, she said. Hundreds of them. They've just been written. They've never been sent. I 100% believe that she, maybe it was an accident, but she killed her parents, 100%. Right. So that gets Z very upset. She's like trying to run out of the pep rally, uh, bumps into Victor. Victor won't let her go. So uh, Tasawi comes up to Victor, smacks him in the face with his skateboard. And <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good one. I Petra takes this opportunity to go after Brandy again. Um, Brandy's voice is all messed up now it's from the great. poison that <laughs> yeah. Petra hit her with. It's so they funny. make her word bubbles, Brandy's word bubbles all squiggly. Like she's got like a, I guess at one point <laughs> someone at the pep rally, someone in the audience like <laughs> screams out, why do you sound like a man? Yeah. Like when she's on the mic, just saying like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we need more pep in this school or something. Is So, so because of that, we know that she sounds like a man now. Uh, totally. Yeah. And yeah, Petra goes after her again, this time with acid, throws some acid at her, trying to burn her face. And Brandy ducks and our buddy Shabnam gets it in the face. Tim, I love this. Oh, I think a lot of people love this. But you know why I do you know why I love this? Because now Shabnam's gonna come back as like a fucking force. Yeah. He's gonna true. have a backbone after this because he gets he gets this. We've talked about it before, he gets the scar. The scar means you're a villain right? So he's been pushed around this entire volume. And we've always been like, I mean, this guy's at the top, but like Grogda's pushing him around, you know, he's got no spine. He can't stand up for himself. Now that he gets the acid in the face, I am very excited to read the next volume and see what that does to this guy. Cause I think this guy's coming back and this guy's going to be a force. Yep. That's a great foresight. Yeah. That's for sure is going to happen. He's going to look all mutated, all busted totally. up, and it's going to be it's going to be on, dude. It's going to be like a two-faced moment. That's going to be his other yeah. personality now that he's messed up. He's going to be that guy. Exactly. So uh, basically all hell bro broke loose at that pep rally. So that's yeah. what happened there. Now, no sooner than the road trip crew gets to Mexico, Quan walks right past Marcus, who's talking on a payphone, ordering fake IDs for him and Maria. Right, yeah. And Quan is about to crack Marcus in the head when Maria sees Petra and freaks out in joy. Uh, but the next scene, we immediately see Marcus has the whole crew at gunpoint and he's demanding to know who sent them. It's a little too convenient that uh, four people from King's Dominion are there. 
Of course. And yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it looks like they were sent by someone and they For were. For sure. Yeah. They were sent, you know, like Kenji sent Quan to do this. So they tell Marcus they're kind of on the run themselves because Petra melted Shabnam's face. And hearing that really <laughs> cheers up Marcus. <laughs> and he just like embraces them as new friends. I love it. <laughs> That's good. Wait, wait, wait. You hate Shabnam? You yeah. melted his face? My buddies. <laughs> you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, exactly. Now, Petra surprises everyone with a big bag of ecstasy that she brought. Here we go. And here we go. She later tells us that she cut it with a small amount of heroin, so that it would be faster acting. Uh, And then here we go. Another classic wild drug scene. It's wild. Um, Once those drugs kick in, this turns into a full-on sex party. (laughs) Full on, like not even we're, there's there's one room in this hotel. Like we're not going behind closed doors. This is just full right. on find your bed sex party. Yeah, you've got uh, Petra and Helmet are going at it. Maria and Marcus are going at it right beside them. <laughs> yeah, Z <laughs> decides maybe it's time that she loosens up a bit and she mm. takes some ecstasy, which is very out of character for her. Yeah. And then Z and Tasawi start making out. Yeah. And the whole while, you've got the odd man out, Quan, standing alone in the kitchen, just like watching yeah. everything. I love it because Quan's got all this pressure from two sides now, right? And now that he, you can tell that now that he's with Marcus and he's sort of chatted with Marcus, he's, you know, he's trying to talk himself up. He's trying to talk himself up to be able to take this guy in because he's not sure that that's exactly the right thing to do. So he's just standing in the corner, feeling the pressure. <laughs> After the party slows down, I'm waiting for Quan to make his move. But before he can, Marcus opens up to him and tries to make him feel more comfortable. Um, Marcus has this great way of like being honest with people and making them feel so comfortable that they're just willing to open up to him. It's just like this quality that he has. It's really cool. So that works on Quan. Um, Marcus tells Quan that he's just like all of them. Like he, they're, they're no different, right? And I, I love see, we've done we've read this whole book as Marcus being the one in trouble, Marcus being the rookie, you know, not really knowing what's going on, having to figure it out as he goes. But now he's been through it. He's sort of been through the hardest it's gonna get. You know, he's died and he's come back. Um, he he's been through everything, and now he's just sort of a mentor to these freshmen, and he it seems like he has it all together now. And I, I just feel this, you know, this, um, this calm from him and this sort of presence that he, he knows like he's been there and he's going to make good decisions. Now. I love seeing the rookie turn into the vet. Mm-hmm. I love that the story's long enough that we get that kind of progression in a character. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Now, Quan gets very emotional here, uh, during this conversation, he tears up, he heads outside for some air and he bumps into Victor and Brandy. And Victor is very excited to hear that Marcus and Maria are in the hotel with Quan. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't seen them. If he thought Marcus was dead, doesn't know where Maria is. But look, if you can kill these people, that's more credits, right? You're going to get more yeah, credits. Dude, it, for... it, makes, it makes Brandy and him kind of horny. <laughs> it does. Yeah, they, be, they become a couple in that moment. Yeah, they basically. become like a power couple. <laughs> they become a power couple in that moment because they're so horny that Marcus is alive. Yeah, that's kind of weird, eh? <laughs> it is weird. Brandy's hot, though, dude. Brandy's hot. For sure. Dixie Mob Brandy? Like, not her personality or 
anything like that. <laughs> no, disgusting personality. She's, she's drawn as a very beautiful uh, uh, lady in the book. Yeah. So is Victor. He's a beautiful. He's very oh, beautiful man. himself. <laughs> that is for sure. He is a very beautiful man. Uh, picture Arnold Schwarzenegger with blonde hair. Yeah, and like young. Yeah, right. So Victor tells Quan to leave the hotel room door open and to make a diversion in five minutes. And if he's lucky, they won't kill him as well. So I'm wondering what's going to happen. For sure, yeah. They they set that up very nicely uh, yeah. as to whether or not this door is going to be open. And sure enough, it is. Quan left the door open. I, I, I was very disappointed. Me too. Yeah. Okay. So was when I. we so see was that I. door being left open, I'm like, oh man, I yeah. really felt something in this moment and I'm very disappointed this door is open. Yeah. I don't know what I'm expecting, but I'm yeah. wanting it to be closed. Wanting For sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now at the same moment, we see that Kenji and his gang have all shown up at the hotel as well and are outside. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, it's yeah. Uh-oh. Bad news, man. So Victor and Brandy rush into the hotel room through the open door and the room's empty. Quan, Quan, our buddy. Kwan, he's our buddy you now. You're he's your buddy best friend. Now. He's your best friend of the book. He's now, my Dean. best friend now. Quan, you did it. You stuck up for your friends. <laughs> so Victor looks out the window, runs to the open window, and sees that the crew are down on the street running away. Then he hears a shriek. He looks back and sees Marcus has stabbed Brandy in the stomach. Mm-hmm. She's lying on the floor. And Marcus has a gun pointed on Victor. The end. So I turned the page after this so fast. Me I was like, okay, next, too. next one, next one, next one, next one. That's it? It's over? Me no. too. Oh, I did the goodness. exact same thing. Yeah. I lost track of issues in this book. Same, same. I was 100% certain there was another issue. And here's an even greater reason why. It's because when I was reading this the first time, I for surely did that. I'm like, okay, let's get to the next issue. I had yeah. the next, I had the next volume. So I got right into the next issue. Right. I read the next issue. It is everything you are expecting it to be. And that is where I stopped. I have not oh. made it past the next issue of the next volume because at the time that was the last available volume. That next issue was so good. I didn't want to get to the end of the volume. I said, wow. I'm just going to stop right here and wait for more volumes to come out. This is and amazing. I've never caught up to it because we started doing this whole journey through the series. So oh, I am one issue further than this. And then the rest of the stuff is new to me. So I am then it's super both excited gonna be, to It's going to be that. new for both of us because I've been about two or three volumes now where it's been new. So that exactly. is awesome, Tim. I'm looking forward to the next volume. I was so upset here though. Like, I don't know, this, yeah. one, this one landed on like a, a real painful cliffhanger, yeah. which is weird. Like, I don't it's interesting that you had the same feeling that I did at the end because yeah. what is that there we were we landed on another cliffhanger where Marcus gets stabbed and killed and I don't know I, didn't I wasn't left I didn't yeah. have a cliffhanger maybe it was such like a momentous like moment that we were just like taken aback by the fact that Marcus got killed and we're just like you yeah. close the book and you're just like wow you have to reflect on that this is totally. more of just like I just need to see what happens next this is like I have to see 
you're like literally in the middle of an action scene. Like everybody else is running away and they are caught on the ground by Kenji. And then Marcus is up and he has the upper hand on Victor, someone who he's never been able to best. And it's just yeah. like, I, keep going. Like, yeah, okay, I get it that you're stopping this issue now, but where's the next one? I need this fight to continue. Yeah. Um, anyways, I mean, I, I just about messaged you when I got there. I just about messaged <laughs> you and I said, let's do both let's do both volumes this week okay or let's do a double feature but then i just i thought no no no, that's not that's not right we'll get it in a month's time or or, yeah we'll we'll get there we'll get back to it so let's so excited for it i'm so excited for it dude me too me too man so let's get to our favorite cover of the volume perfect uh this is where we're just gonna kind of like review the covers let each other know which one we thought was best. This was a a listener segment that was requested that we thought was a great idea. So we're doing it. So let's go through the covers. I'll just quickly explain what's happening on each cover. Perfect. And then I want to hear what your favorite cover is. So cover one, we have that picture of the young Seiya. So this girl, we don't really know what her age is. She's holding a giant samurai sword. And then in the background is kind of this like, it's it's the background's black and then there's like some neon colors of yellow Japanese characters and Seiya, grown up Seiya kind of in purple in like line art. Uh, and young young Seiya looks very frightened. The second one, oh man, very cool. Very like pastel yeah. It's uh, yeah. Marcus. You're looking from behind Marcus and Maria. It's almost like a Corona commercial. Uh, totally, you've got Marcus yeah. sitting in a chair. Maria's sitting in a chair. They have their cocktails. They're holding hands. You're looking out onto this beautiful sunset, but instead of a sun, it's like a skull. It's like the Punisher symbol almost. Cool. And some nice birds flying there. Very nice. Cool. Now, the third one is more of like a classic cover that we're used to seeing. Yeah. You've got one like very bold stripe of black going down the middle of the page. You've got two stripes of pink on each side of that. And you've got these characters we love in like this blue tone kind of bursting out of that black center portion. Uh, They all have weapons. They're all ready to attack. It looks very aggressive, very cool. Um, Maria's like decked out in her her makeup and she's got her death fans. It's all very cool. There's Marcus, Maria, Helmet, Tasawi, Z, and Quan are all just there. It looks like they looks like they're really mad at us for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) At us. Yeah, exactly. The next one. Now, this is a clip from The Road Trip, basically. Uh, this is a throwback to an earlier page from, um, I believe it was Volume 1, maybe Volume 1 or Volume 2. It's I feel like it's almost like a straight reproduction with this new new crew instead of the old crew. But it's very beautiful. Um, you're kind of, uh, we're further back looking in on the characters. They're a little bit smaller. We see the car. We see the characters. They're in the desert. Um, beautiful orange like deep orange mountains, um, orange sky, orange clouds. Very nice. And then the last one is the, the wild sex party. Yeah. Uh, this is just, uh, we got all those characters in the hotel room. Uh, it almost looks like if you put 3D glasses on, this one would like totally. kind of come together and work <laughs> under 3D glasses. It's got the reds and the greens in it. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've got the vibrating reds and greens going on. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's wild. There's there's I'm just noticing now. There's some weird dude lying passed out on the floor that we don't even there's, know. He's not I even like someone that. that we recognize. There's some random yeah. guy passed out in their party. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, Weird. cool. Look at the very back. The very back. Victor's standing in the window with a machine gun. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So really cool stuff going on there. Um, nice. Okay. So that's it. So Dean, I want to know what your favorite cover, what your favorite cover was and why. Well, they're, yeah, they're all great. Um, it's just, it's awesome how different the covers are every volume. They all have their different feels. So it's really I feel like they're all very good, but it's also for me kind of easy to pick my favorite because they are all so different that it's like the one that hits me really hard, I can just tell. And for me, that's the first one. It's the neon one. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've picked neon colors a lot in the past. It just, if I'm walking into the comic book store, this one pops for me. I really, I really love, um, I love those. I love line work. I love the neon um, Seiya in that line work. And then in the foreground, you know, a younger, a younger Saya with a huge sword, just like kind of giving us the idea that we're going to get this background story. And that just by looking at that cover, I would get so excited. Um, a lot of the other covers would make me excited for the issue for sure. Uh, but that one, I feel like pops out on the stand to me. And that's kind of how I pick these. The ones that if I wasn't reading the comic, this one would make me really want to pull it off the shelf and give it a try. Sure. I think... This is the strongest volume of covers that I've seen. They are all contenders. They're all very excellent. When I got to issue two, I thought that was the one. Um, Marcus and Maria in the Corona commercial, I saw that and I'm like, well, cool. I've already found my cover until I got to issue four and the picture of them on the road trip and the fact that it's this flashback scene and I recognized it from a previous volume and the colors are just so lovely. The ground is like purple. It's only two tones, actually. It's like purple and orange. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful. It doesn't even look like a, a, it should be a cover. It just looks like it's maybe a panel out of the book or just a picture you could put up and frame on your wall. But it doesn't look like, it's interesting because we've talked before about, yeah, what's the cover that would make you pick up the comic? Like what's popping off the shelf for you? Um, This is popping off the shelf for me, but for kind of the different reasons yeah like it's it's not trying it's not trying to pop off the shelf it's almost popping off the shelf for me because it's just trying to be so um i don't know so different just so soft so sentimental it's just it's not vibrant it's not there's no big images nothing everything is very small on it the biggest thing is the title deadly class yeah. But man, when I see this, I I would have to pick this up just to be like, well, if for no other reason than just to put this up on my on on my wall, put that cover on my wall. I I totally agree, Tim. This was my runner up. Um, I like to rank them all while I'm going through. This is my number two. I I think it it's got this Western vibe to it that's really neat. Yeah. Um, you know, I I feel like it it's a page out of East of West or something like that. You know, it's it it just looks. I think it's be yeah. It it just looks so so cool so beautiful everyone's so like it's such a pulled back picture everyone's so small on it um you're just kind of taking it all in i totally agree it's it is another great cover for just like completely different reasons than what i listed mine for it's it's so solid yeah nice yeah okay dude then there's one more thing to do Dean. Yeah. They do a great job in this series with characters. 
they all have very specific stereotypes and tropes attached to them. What if you were in charge of creating a new character for this series? Tell us about the character you'd create. Oh, man. Tim, first of all, great. Unbelievable what if. I love it. I'm not so... I'm not a super creative person. This is going to be hard for me. I'm so bad at coming up with stuff. Keep this in mind before we get started. This is for fun. Yes, This is not a test. There are no wrong answers. Just get a vibe on the characters in the book. Who would be a a fun character or a cool character? Whatever you want, man. Just... What character would you create for the book? Okay. So the character I would create for the book that isn't represented yet in the book um, is the movie nerd. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, I there's like no it. movie nerd in the book yet. You know, nope. they're, they've talked about comics, they've talked about music, but there's no movie nerd. I would create the movie nerd, the guy that just like knows everything about all the movies i mean he can even be pretentious that's fine he can be like he your movies be. suck my movies are better i know all the good movies pulling out lines from all the movies correcting everyone when they say a movie line and it's wrong that's the character right for this book the guy that you kind of hate but you respect his movie knowledge you respect him <laughs> nice i like that so what does yeah. he look like what does he look like um me i don't know <laughs> Okay, sure. So backwards baseball cap? Backward? No, no, no. He couldn't. No. He couldn't be wearing backwards baseball cap. He's got to have a nice head of hair, which I don't have. So he's not like me. He's okay. gonna have. He's gonna have a nice head of hair that he keeps it like nicely gelled. You know, it, it looks. It looks good. Um, okay. But not like wet. You know, not wet gelled. You know, kind of just the, um, the stuff that makes it look natural. But it's definitely every piece of hair is in its place for a reason. Um, he's a. He he's going to dress, you know, pretty well. He's not a hoodie guy. He's more of a uh, polo shirt guy. You think so? I was I was wondering if I maybe so. he's just wearing movie movie T-shirts. Oh, oh, you're right. No, no, no. Movie T-shirts, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. Graphic tees with like deep cuts for movies. So mm. no, everyone always has to ask what his shirt means. You know, it doesn't just nice. say Jaws on it. You know, it's it says, uh, you know, Mrs. Kittner on it yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's good deep cuts to everything that's exactly nice. what he's wearing for sure okay now what crew does he run with I, I i do feel like i do feel like he runs with our crew he runs with our freshman crew right now like our helmet crew quan um and z you know he's in there because he is going to be a little annoying so he's going to be a little bit of an outcast but helmet's totally going to be like dude come and play D, and he's going to be down for D for sure so I feel like he becomes friends with them um, and he's always correcting them on movie movie shit all the time and always having to roll his eyes at explaining his t-shirts. Well, I love it. But what about um, like a full gang of movie nerds? Interesting. They all have like their different <laughs> their genre, like, their genre <laughs> that they're good at. <laughs> no, that's incredible. <laughs> How good would that be? We're getting somewhere here, Tim. We're getting somewhere. We might have to shut this one off. We're getting there. <laughs> Rick, buddy, are you listening? <laughs> got something for you here. I like that a lot. The the sci-fi guy, the horror guy. Yeah, exactly. The romance guy. The romance guy, exactly. <laughs> Comedy guy. Com- yeah. That'd be it. a lot of fun. I love it. All right. Awesome. Cool. Great. Well, thank you for humoring me on that one. Yeah, man. It was fun. It was so much fun. All right. I will just quickly throw in that um, my character would be the Canadian guy, the classic 
Canadian Solid. trope yeah. character. He he would probably be a lot like um, uh, Polly. <laughs> he'd, like, he'd run with Polly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he would just every Canadian trope that you can come up with would be this guy. Like it would be him. He'd say a. He'd like yeah. just anything you can imagine that's Canadian, stereotypical Canadian, uh, true or not. That would be my guy to throw in there. So, all right, dude. Thank you for joining. Yeah, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.